Good morning. It's good to see all of you out in the Lord's house today. I hope everyone's glad to be here. Um, I have just a couple of announcements. Uh, please read your uh, bulletins because there's a lot of information this time of year of, of things and events coming up. Uh, but I do want to highlight a few of them. The Sunday School Council meeting will be this week, Tuesday at 7 p.m. Uh, the Missions Committee will meet Wednesday after, after uh, Bible study Wednesday. I mean, yes, that's correct. Also, this afternoon, what's going on this afternoon at 5 o'clock? What did I just say? What time? 5 o'clock. So if you get here at 6, you're not going to see anything. So make sure you're here at 5 o'clock this afternoon. And Tanya also wanted me to make mention that if you're here 10 till, Ashley will be playing. So you make sure to come out at 10 till 5 this afternoon. Also, Christmas Carol and Patrick wanted me to mention that we are leaving the church at 6 this Friday go Christmas caroling and after we get done Christmas caroling the bonfire will be at Dr. George and Miss Frankie's again and we'll have a meal there so all of you make sure if you want to sing come on out at six o'clock we're leaving the church and the next Sunday make sure you're here at 10 30 instead of 11 if you if you don't come to Sunday school you might miss out but be here at 10 30 next Sunday our joint service between Sunday school and service will be out here at 10 30. And I did want to make mention of our guest speaker today. Uh, many of you were here Thanksgiving morning for our sunrise service, and many of you heard the tremendous testimony that Mr. Bo offered to us. And uh, we thought that, that it would be good if the rest of the congregation that was not able to be here could be here to hear it because it, it was tremendous, and it's something that we all should hear. So Brother Bo is going to speak to us for our service today. Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for allowing us to be in your house today, Lord, Father. And we just pray for all the things that are happening in this service today, Lord, Father. We pray that as we sing, Lord, that the songs will, will sound good to you, Lord. And, Father, we just pray that as, as Brother Bo gives his testimony and shares what's on his heart, the things that you've done for him, Lord, the miracles that you performed for him, Father, I just pray that, that, Lord, we just all take something home today from this, Lord. And, Father, we just apply it to our lives. Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. At this time, Miss um, Jordan Evans is going to light our Advent candle. Isaiah 12, 2 through 6. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. In that day, you will say, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known among the nations what he has done, and proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. As we celebrate our Christmas season, remembering again it's the time we celebrate the birth of our Savior. As we sing hymns and all of these words of praise, let's remember 
we are worshiping the Lord, and as you sing today again and every Sunday, just think about the great message that you're sharing. It's not the melodious voice. It's the words that you're sharing. Great words of worship and praise. Let us stand together because this is the day the Lord has made. We're rejoicing in it. Call to worship. Jesus, we worship you. Followed by 125, Joy to the World. Sing the first, second, and last stanzas. One, two, and four. Jesus, we worship you together. to the world singing together. those around you and wish them God's blessing again today.
know, Christmas time is a, is a very happy time. It's a joyous time of the season, but we need to be, be aware that, those are, are, that there are people all around us who are experiencing a lot of tough times right now, and we need to be mindful of those. And uh, this morning, right before I pray, I do want to make mention of the Myers family from Olana. Uh, Miss Myers has passed away, and we need to remember that family. And the Barfield family, a family from right here in our community, um, we need to remember them this morning. And also, Miss Florence Kozak is in the hospital. I uh, visited with her last night, and she's in good spirits. She's, she's getting better, and she hopes to come home either today, possibly Monday. Um, she appreciates the phone calls. Many of you have reached out to her through phone calls, and she's been very appreciative. So if you think about it this afternoon, um, look at your email. Patty sent you an email, and it's got her phone number at that room, so she would love to hear from you. Um, also, let's remember Dr. Walls as he's away in, in Honduras right now. Um, things over there are not that good right now, and that's why he's over there. So let's, let's pray that the Lord will use him to, to fix whatever situation needs to be fixed over there. Let's go to the Lord in prayer now. Father, Lord, we thank you so much for, for this season, Lord, and the meaning of this season. Father, we, we thank you for your son, Lord, and Father, for, for that sacrifice, Lord, and, and Father, for you sending your son for us, Lord. Father, we thank you, Lord, for, for the privilege of prayer, Lord. Father, we thank you that, that we can go to you at any time, Lord. And, Father, we can bring these prayer requests that we have this morning to you, Father. We, you know all of these needs, Lord. Father, the, the ones who have lost loved ones, Lord. Father, we just ask that you comfort them, Lord, and give them a peace that, that no one else can give them right now, Lord. And, Father, we just pray for Miss Kozak, Lord, as she, she heals up from the pneumonia, Lord. And, Father, that she just gets home, Lord, and back in service with us, Lord. And, Father, for the many others that, that have not been mentioned this morning, Father, you know each and every need, Lord. And, Father, we just leave those in your hands, and we lift them up to you tonight, today, Lord. Father, we just love you, Lord, and we just ask that you bless this service and be in this service. In Jesus' name, amen.
Please come forward to receive our morning tithes and offerings. things that you've given us, Lord, and Father, we thank you for entrusting us with so much, Lord, and Father, we just pray that as we give back this portion, Lord, that you've given us, Lord, Father, we just pray that you use it for your honor and glory, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.
as we join to singing the next hymn, we would invite the children and children's church workers for those that are younger than first grade. First grade and older will stay in the sanctuary today, okay? First grade and older will stay in the sanctuary while we sing this hymn. The others of our children and children's workers will go to their place of worship for the remaining service. Following this number, our For His Glory, will share a special number for our blessing and for the glory of the Lord. And then following that, Brother Bo to share his message of the morning. O little town of Bethlehem, and let us stand together as we sing praises to our God. O little town, together singing. Thank you, church. You may be seated.
look up, fear not. The angel said, Behold, the Messiah's come, the one of whom you read. And as he spoke to men that day, the heavenly host around the throne joined in to stay. Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth and goodwill to men. Heavenly angels announce his arrival in the little town of Bethlehem. Hallelujah to the Lord, sing holy. He was born to save the world from sin. Glory to God in the highest, glory. Hallelujah to the Lord, amen. And still today, the wise men come, offering their praise to God's anointed one as they then speak their heartfelt love. This glorious sound was on my ear from up above. Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth and goodwill to men. Heavenly angels announce his arrival in the little town of Bethlehem. Hallelujah to the Lord, sing holy. He was born to save the world from sin. Glory to God in the highest glory. Hallelujah to the Lord, amen. Glory to God in the highest peace on earth and goodwill to men. Heavenly angels announce his arrival in the little town of Bethlehem. Hallelujah to the Lord, sing holy. He was born to save the world from sin. Glory to God in the highest glory. Hallelujah to the Lord, amen. Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth and goodwill to men. Heavenly angels announce his arrival in the little town of Bethlehem. Hallelujah to the Lord, sing holy. He born to save the world from sin. Glory to God in the highest, glory. Hallelujah to the Lord, amen. Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth and goodwill to men. Heavenly angels announce his arrival in the little town of Bethlehem. Hallelujah to the Lord, sing holy. Glory to God in the highest glory. Glory to God in the highest glory. Hallelujah to the Lord. Amen. 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 Glory to I'm uh, 63 years old, and I've never spoken on a Sunday morning in a church before. And, um, you know, you might say I'm a little nervous, I guess. Um, but, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a good observer. So, you know, I've observed a lot of good preachers and heard a lot of good sermons over my lifetime. But the, uh, uh, the way I see they always start out is the preacher pulls his watch off, and he puts it up there. I don't know what for, but uh, they usually they usually put it, you know, right where they can see it. I don't I don't know if that's for good luck or what it is, but uh, they don't usually seem like they they notice it too much. 
And the, uh, the other thing I noticed is usually the guys in the back row go to sleep sometime about halfway. So <laughs> I won't be watching you guys. I'll be looking at my notes, so that's all right. Um, um, my sister Connie rode over here with me today from uh, Florence, and um, when Connie got in my truck, I said, Connie, I'm a, I'm a little bit nervous. And Connie said, oh, well, that's, the whole church will be full packed today. And I said, well, Connie, that's not helping. <laughs> that, that didn't make me feel any better at all. <laughs> but anyway, um, that, maybe that'll calm me down a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I do some, see some people out there that I don't know, and I'm assuming you probably don't know me. I, I know the vast majority of you. I'm very close friends with you. But anyway, it's, um, you know, I, I shared my testimony of, of my illness this past year and the things and the steps the Lord took me through to get me back to a good state of health. And I shared that Thanksgiving morning because um, it was a time for, for reflecting back on the year that I had just gone through and being so thankful to be alive. Um, when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, uh, when, you know, when, when it's over with, you, you have a, a different perspective on life, I, I tell you. Absolutely. The psalmist David said in chapter 118 of Psalms, verse 17, I will not die, but live and will proclaim what the Lord has done. Um, now, my mother gave me that verse, you know, a short while after I got uh, diagnosed. And, you know, I'll get into that a little bit later. That, that, you know, she was the one that had more faith than I did at the time that this would work out. I personally am here today to proclaim what the Lord our God, the mighty healer, did in my life. In the time of my greatest need, the hand of God intervened and he changed the course. Let us pray for just a moment. Lord, I pray that you will speak through me this day to bring hope and comfort to anyone in this gathering who may be going uh, through or has gone through a sickness or infliction. By your grace, you have brought healing uh, to my body and renewing and strengthening of my faith. Now I pray, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Um, a lot of you leaguers will recognize that as the invocation. I was, I was a leaguer one time, too. I'll get to that. But... Um, for some of you that don't know my background, and even for the young, younger ones of you that know who I am, there's a lot that probably you don't know about me. So I'll, uh, I'll, I'll try to uh, give you an overview. As most of you know, I was born and raised in the Puddin' Swamp area of this community. Um, in case you do not know me, I am known as Bo Osborne. My given name is Robert Junius Osborne, Jr., I am the second child and the oldest son of Mutt and Juliet Osborne. My sisters are Debbie Wall, Connie Osborne, my brothers are Skippy Osborne, and Jeffrey Osborne. 
My humble beginning in this life was living in an old camper with my father, mother, and sister Debbie. Beside a tobacco barn on the farm of Mr. Hayward and Miss Edna Green. Uh, they were the parents of Miss Jane Green Floyd that's with us here today, and I'm so glad that she's here. My grandparents, Mr. and Mrs. Uh, well, Mr. West and Miss Martha Osborne, lived in the tenant house uh, that was beside the barn also. Um, my dad was later able to buy an acre of land from Mr. Malcolm Dukes out along Highway 378. He used a VA loan to build a house that my mother still lives in today. I worked as a young boy helping gather the tobacco crops for the uh, uh, Jane Green Floyd family, the, uh, the uh, Dukes families, uh, Mr. Mack and Mr. Frank, and the E.L. Evans families. To this day, there is a very special bond with my West of Puddin' Swamp family. We all attended this church, and most of our social lives involved the church and Epworth League activities. At the age of 12, I was saved during one of the community revivals held at the East Clarendon Gymnasium. I went through pastor instruction class um, taught by uh, Pastor Blank. Uh, along with the other young people of my age group in this church. Uh, we were baptized in the Coker's Pool on a hot summer's afternoon. I competed in the Epworth League Bible Quiz and was uh, the state conference champion at the ages of 13 and 14. I was to represent the third year but broke my leg in the tobacco field and wasn't able to um, compete that year. I served two terms as district league president and two terms as conference president for um, you leaguers. Um, after graduation from East, East Clarendon High School in 1970, I attended Southern Methodist College in Orangeburg for one year. I then attended Clemson University and earned a degree in administrative management. After college, I worked in construction with the same company that my dad worked with, Smith, Grady, and Paving. Mr. Smith must have seen some potential in me because he took special interest in mentoring me and put me in a position of general management over the entire company. With the help of Mr. Smith, I started my own company, Osborne Construction, in 1987 and was a grading and paving contractor for 28 years. In 1983, I remet and eventually married Ann L. Coker. And when I say remet, let me just tell you a short story. Her mother was my homeroom teacher in the eighth grade. And Ann L. was just a baby at that time. And so my teacher brought her new adopted baby in for the class to see. And that was my first time I saw her <laughs> uh, until about 18 years later. Um, we lived in the Gamble House across the uh, street over there, the, the, the old Gamble House, the uh, white house with the columns around it. Together we raised four sons and were closely involved in this church until we moved to Florence in 1996. All of this time, the Lord blessed my life in all that I did. It almost sounded like the story of Job to a certain point. 
I had a beautiful and talented wife, four healthy sons, and my business prospered. I served my community as councilman, also as mayor for one term. Uh, the Lord allowed me to work in this church at nearly every level in which there was a need. I was bus driver for the bus ministry, Sunday school teacher, Sunday school superintendent, uh, on the board of stewards. I served several terms as board of stewards chairman. I did clean up when it was necessary. I was janitor when it was necessary. I raked leaves, I cut grass. The only thing that I really didn't do a whole lot was singing the choir, and um, if you ever heard me sing, you'd know why they didn't let me stay there. Um, I, did, I did sit up with the choir a couple of times, but uh, anyway, let's move. <laughs> I was careful to always give God the credit and thanks for all the good that he was doing in my life. Um, he gave to me, and I was faithful to give to him back in return. But um, you know that feeling when things seem to be going a little bit too good for you? Well, in the back of my mind, I kept wondering when a tragedy would strike my life or one of my family members. I knew more than I wanted to about the laws of probability. Sooner or later, trouble and pain would find its way to me. In 2008, our country had uh, an economic collapse. It was an abrupt drop like nothing that we had seen in, in our modern times. Um, before it was over, we had effectively seven years of famine. The construction business uh, closely follows the economic conditions. So I saw the successful company that I worked so long and hard to establish lose nearly all of its equity while I was trying to hold on and wait for a turnaround. I could have shut down, but I tried to keep the jobs of my faithful employees that had helped me get to where I was. Eventually, I did have to close down in October of last year. To add to my woes, my health was failing. I found it hard to work because of being very weak and tired. You see, another thing that I had been blessed with was good health. It had probably been 20 years since I'd gone to a doctor. Well, with anything but just a routine checkup or, or to the dentist to get my teeth cleaned or checked. Um, in the summer of 2014, I struggled to make the trip to Turboville to the office. I would stay a couple of hours and then go home to rest. To me, it was obvious that my 82-year-old mother at the time seemed to have more energy than I had. One day as I returned to Florence, I was so weak that I ran off the road a couple of times. But when I related this to my wife, she promptly called and set up an appointment with our family doctor over there. On July the 16th, 2014, I went to that appointment. Since my health complaint was weakness and shortness of breath, I had some blood work done and they scheduled a stress test. Two days later, a call from the PA in the doctor's office informed me that the stress test was canceled, uh, but there was concern about abnormal readings uh, on liver enzymes. 
They scheduled a sonogram of my liver and a colonoscopy. The colonoscopy was done by the end of the week and the doctor came into the recovery room area really before I'd recovered and was telling us that he found a, a, a substantially large, what looked like a cancerous tumor in my colon. The liver scan was abnormal and a CT scan was then scheduled. On Wednesday, July the 30th of 2014, we met with the doctor's PA. Uh, after some hesitation and with tears in her eyes, she said results of the testing and scan showed uh, a large cancerous mass on the right side of my colon. It had spread to the liver with two large tumors on the liver and cancerous spots in the lymph nodes and other areas around the liver. Well, obviously that was not good news. I sat and stared with disbelief. I really couldn't even get up. I had heard all of these medical terms before, but this time they were, they were talking about me. Um, Annelle and I cried and hugged. We looked at each other and I said, it's in God's hands now. It seemed to me that my whole world was about to crash down. Eight years earlier, in 2006, I had gone through the struggles of cancer treatments and radiation and surgeries with Annel as she battled breast cancer. It was a trying time in our lives, and, but through the grace of God, her life was spread, or spared, I'm sorry, to help raise our boys who were still rather young at that time. I watched how this experience changed her life and the impact it had on our family and our relationship as husband and wife. But this time it was me. Never saw it coming. Um, eventually we met with Dr. Pavi at McLeod's Hospital. He's the head of the oncology department there. It was his job to inform me that I was looking at Stage four, colon cancer. There was a lot of cancer in my body, he said. And index they do in the blood work on a protein marker, uh, and I don't know all the names of all this stuff, but what was really important was that index reading was 2,088. Um, I didn't know anything about medical readings, but 2,088 seemed like a high number to me. Dr. Pavi said that he had only seen one other patient with a higher index come through his door in 17 years. My heart sank at hearing those words. He also told me that it would be useless to go to a surgeon at that time because I had too much cancer scattered in too many places in my body to operate. He said the only thing we could do would be to take chemo treatments and do that first in a chance that the tumors might shrink and then look at the possibility of surgery at a later date. The chemo uh, medicine would be a strong formula. It would be rough on the body if many of the side effects appeared. And Ellen, I 
uh, called each of our four boys and explained the doctor's prognosis. I called my brothers and my sisters. I asked Debbie to call my mother because I didn't have the heart to give her this kind of news. In the days to follow, there was an outpouring of love and concern from lifelong friends, business associates, and of course my family. There were cards, little notes of encouragement. I read each and every one of them. People brought meals over. There were visits from many of you here today. Most importantly, there were prayers. People prayed. Now, I believe in the power of prayer. Always, always have. Um, uh, I was convinced my dad's life was spared in World War II because of the power of the prayer of the mothers back home that prayed for he and the other young men in service. My name was in prayer needed section of many, many churches throughout this whole country, associates that I had everywhere. Um, as I started chemo and received treatments every two weeks, I became weaker and weaker. The, the, the side effects set in and began racking my body. My toenails and fingernails split. I developed a sensitivity to cold and could only eat bland foods at room temperature. There were times that I could not swallow because of excruciating pain. I had to have blood transfusion because my hemoglobin was about half of what the normal level would be, so I was anemic. Most of my time away from the treatment center was spent in bed or in my recliner. I was too weak to do anything else. For someone who had been active all of their lives, this was quite a change for me, as you might can imagine. Well, as I sat in that recliner many days and I contemplated the outcome of all of this, and you know, I, um, one thing that I am to a fault is a thinker. I think and worry too much. I got to where I was in business by being able to think ahead and realize what was coming and prepare for it. I tried to be a realist in assuming that, in all probability, I wasn't going to make it. Um, I actually made plans uh, to die, sort of getting my things in order. Others in my condition and taking the same course of treatment that I was taking had died. All of this was very discouraging. But all of this time, my mother would call or come to see me. She refused to listen to anything other than God was going to heal me. She's the one that gave me that verse. She had gotten assurance from God's word that he would not take my life at this time. I told her that whatever happened, I had my life in order and was not afraid to die. God had blessed me so much so how could I complain if it were in his will to take my life? I really thought that Thanksgiving of last year would be my last, and then Christmas. All of our boys were home to spend time with us. I look at the family photos from last year and 
I really don't recognize the sickly old guy that appeared alongside my wife and children. But that was me. But the prayers went on. Close friends, families, dozens of pastors, uh, many young children. I, um, one thing that touched me so much was when my lifelong childhood friend, Lisa Coker Griffith, told me that Carol Ann prayed for Mr. Bow every night. And that if she forgot to mention my name, Carol Ann would, would say, and, and Mr. Bow. And, you know, people everywhere praying for me. The number of pastors that I had been associated with all through my life calling and praying with me on the phone. And a couple of them called and said they were driving in from Columbia and wanted to speak to me and have prayer. And I said, well, as long as you don't close your eyes, that's all right with me. <laughs> I don't want to be responsible for something happening to you. Um, but I was very sick and weakened when I went to Duke Medical Center in January of, of just this year. Um, my wife had to push me around in a wheelchair. So in January of this year, I started out in a wheelchair. After consultations with the um, oncology surgical staff, they took more tests and scans and determined that the chemo treatments that nearly killed me had indeed saved my life. They killed the cancerous cells throughout my body. It would be necessary for them to perform two major surgeries to remove the three large tumors that were left. Um, in my colon and on my liver. The first surgery was on March the 2nd of this year, removed 60% of my liver and also the largest tumor, um, about the size of a grapefruit. The surgery itself went rather well, but my family got quite a scare when um, I did not come fully conscious from surgery that happened on Monday until the following Friday. So I spent uh, like four and a half days in a state that um, I was semi-conscious. I don't remember anything about it. They said I was pulling all of my tubes out and needles and everything. They had to um, put mitts on my hand and tie my arms down. Uh, I didn't sleep for 72 hours. Um, my blood pressure started going up at that time, and I was afraid that that all of this was going to throw me into having a heart attack and probably kill me. My body had reacted to the anesthesia and um, just wasn't good. I just had all these hallucinations. Um, after three days of this and no sleep, my wife became concerned that I might not make it. She called in our sons and our family members and most uh, most all of my family made the trip to Durham, up there to Duke, and came to my side. But as uh, God would have it, uh, they most of them showed up on Friday about noon by the time they made the trip. But that was about the time that I came out of it and started looking around and asking Annie questions about what was going on. And, um, um, you know, I thought I had just woken up from surgery. And, and, um, I asked her what day it was, and she said, it's Friday. I said, you've got to be kidding me. Um, but anyway, uh, when the family came, we, we all um, had a laugh at that time with 
some of the uh, funny and ridiculous things that I had done and said. Um, they said the uh, nurse asked me um, if I was having any pain in my stomach. Of course, that's where a uh, big incision where they had operated. And, um, and then I looked at the nurse very seriously and said, I don't know if this is a girl or a boy, but they sure can kick. <laughs> now, where in this world would that come from my mind? I, but anyway, they, uh, I'm denying that to this day, but they still say they got proof. Um, a second surgery was needed in April to remove the remaining tumors. The result, that 2,088 index reading that I started out, had dropped to 2.8, which was an acceptable rate. At my next visit to Dr. Pavi, he looked over all the reports from Duke and looked at me and stated that, you know, in just 10 months, in light of the amount of cancer that I, or he said you, walked into my office with, that's pretty amazing. Well, you and I know that uh, it was the hand of God that intervened for everything, you know, uh, after the surgeries, uh, especially second surgery, uh, which I was, I was awake after that, but I knew what I was talking about. I asked the surgeon how, how everything had gone, and she said, you know, it, it's really kind of amazing. Everybody used the word amazing. Uh, because um, if you could say exactly how you wanted it to go, that's how it went. It was perfect. We got everything we needed to get. There was nothing left, and that you're free of cancer. Um, God spared my life, and I'm convinced that it's because of all the faithful people, many of them, most of them right here, who prayed fervently on my behalf for God to intervene in my life. That, my friends, is what a miracle is. It's when God intervenes. Um, and you know, we can talk about miracles. There are some modern-day Christians who do not believe that we have miracles today uh, like occurred during biblical times uh, because there was nothing profound like raising someone from the dead or, or um, walking on water. Yet we know that miracles happen each day as God intervenes in our lives. Um, he, he can keep us safe. I'm sure when we pray for safe travel, um, God intervenes a lot of times and gives us safe travel. He, he keeps his hand of care upon us. Miracles don't have to be in grand form. A miracle is when God intervenes. Jesus performed 40 or so miracles in the 33 years that he was here on the earth. We see the miracle of the virgin birth originally, uh, the water to wine, uh, healing of the demonics, uh, healing the lepers, uh, the paralyzed man, the man with the withered hand, 
raising the widow's son, calming a storm, healing the blind, walking on water, feeding the 5,000, uh, casting out demons, raised Lazarus from the dead after four days. His ascension into heaven. Um, but when the, the more I studied the miracles of the Bible and looked at some of the commentaries, there, there is, there's only one sad thing or one sad foot, footnote that follows it. There's something different about all these miracles and the one most important miracle that we have in our lives. You see, all of these miracles that he performed like Jesus did. Um, water into wine, but the wine ran out. He healed the demonics and the lepers, healing the paralyzed man, but where, where are they today? They all died during the normal course of life. We all do that. So see, all these miracles where God intervenes, or Jesus intervened in most of these places here, raising Lazarus. I'm sure Lazarus was like me. He enjoyed life to the fullest once he saw that he was alive again. You know, I, I felt like that. I told some of you that, that I felt like Lazarus. I'd been raised from the dead, and I enjoyed every minute of life, the beautiful day like we have out there today. And, you know, that you know everything just means so much to me now. The time I have to spend with my family, I am very grateful for his sparing my life to spend this quality time. But yet, in the reality, I've got to know in the back of my mind that I'm still going to die eventually. We all do. That's a fact of life. These are only temporary fixes to the problems that, that invade our lives. Temporary fixes. So that brings us to the greatest miracle of all. That would be that Jesus died for our sins. That we would have eternal life. Not a temporary fix, not, not giving you an, an, an aspirin and a glass of water. No, he, he died that we might have eternal life. That has permanent um, connotations. The greatest miracle that you could ever experience in your life will, would be for you to let him change your heart. The results are eternal. Let us pray. Lord, as we approach the celebration of your birth at this time of year, let us be ever mindful that you left your place in glory to come to earth to redeem our lives from eternal death to eternal life. I pray, Lord, that all here would find it in their hearts to receive your promise and and change their own hearts, Lord, to accept you as Savior and Lord. And that if that happens, Lord, I pray that it would happen today. In your name we pray.
Thank you, Bo, for sharing that challenging testimony. We do have an awesome God, don't we? And the greatest awesomeness of his miracles is what Bo just ended with, and that is to know Jesus Christ as personal Savior, to know that our sins are forgiven, and that we are heirs of eternal glory. And if you're here this morning and you've not accepted Christ as your personal Savior, you've not repented of your sin and said, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me, I pray today you'll do that. And if you do that, come and let one of us know that we can again pray with you and give words of further assurance of your salvation. Thank you both for coming and sharing. And thank you again for the great joy we have in Christ Jesus, our Savior. Let us stand together for the closing choral benediction. Go tell it on the mountain. And as a message to tell, it reflects again the greatest miracle of all, Jesus Christ, the child of Bethlehem, who became the Savior of the cross that we might have life eternal. Go tell it on the mountain. We meet this evening at 5 o'clock for the cantata. God bless you, and you are dismissed.